When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, 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 and welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. It's me, PB, and Pat is joining us once again from UK soil, I believe. Is that correct, yeah. Pat? Yeah, back on home turf, back at the Emirates on Friday. Lovely. So hopefully back to normal for the podcast. We apologise for a couple of weeks without any audio coming to your ears from us. It's nice to know we're missed. I've had a few messages um, nicely toned asking where the where the podcasts are. It's been a, a little bit tricky because Pat's been here, there and everywhere, as you know, in Canada, America, and uh, I've been not still not particularly well, um, even though last time we spoke, which was a few weeks ago, I wasn't particularly well. So hopefully I'm heading in the right direction. But um, yeah, it's just been a collection of of bad events. And to be honest, whilst all that's, all that podcast stuff hasn't been happening. It's been a collection of not great events on the pitch from Arsenal, but we, I think we'll chat through today, Pet, some general sort of themes that come out of the last two games, the two, two draws. Um, I don't think there's much benefit in us going through every action from the West Ham game. There's other podcasts. I'm sure that you've listened to already at this stage that have, have done that and the same for the Liverpool one, but, I think the first thing to to sort of say is how are you feeling about this team's title chances after these last two results? I think they've obviously dampened a little bit. Um, It'd be weird if they weren't. I think we had to go into that City game with as big a lead as possible to give us the biggest margin for error possible. Um... It is weird though, like we have sometimes taken uh, the advantage pre-World Cup. I remember when City dropped points, we went to Wolves, didn't we, and won. And uh, that was great. But I I do recall that, was it the Everton game where we lost and City also dropped points in that same game week? Um, So there have been a few since where we've not really... um, made the most of it or gone first drop points and they've they've also dropped points um I, I i do think that for me and this is personally and this is an excuse but personally as soon as i saw that saliba injury and it being bad coinciding with a tommy Asu injury i kind of feared the worst about the title challenge mm. um and have been in kind of the uh, mentality of just enjoying the ride and see where we end up because we've as we discussed maybe you know eight weeks ago Ollie we've we have secured top four we probably did that when we beat Spurs away and and Liverpool continued to fall off so um yeah enjoying the ride between now and the end of the season hopeful but I'm that that's basically as as much as I am really Mm. yeah I mean I'd sort of echo that I think I felt the same that looking at our run of fixtures before that City game, we had a really nice run apart from the Liverpool game. Um, and it felt like we needed City to probably not be perfect and us to be pretty much perfect going into the game. But one thing I would say is that felt like it needed to be the case because it felt like we'd probably lose at City. Um, if we can win at City, that completely changes everything. And maybe if we want to look at this in a positive way, our players knowing that they, because say we'd gone into this, you know, we might go into it with a certain point lead because we've played more games, but I think every player and fan will work it out on the basis that Man City win their games in hand. Um, but if we'd gone in with a, 
I don't know, five point lead disregarding the the games in hand stuff. It's quite dangerous, isn't it? Because it's it's almost like it's okay to lose this game. Um, which well, it's, be... it's like the Spurs game last year, isn't it? Almost, yeah, yeah, to some extent. Which, and we we know how that ended up. We we at first in the first fifteen minutes looked like we wanted to win, and then just completely fell apart and probably weren't mm. pragmatic enough. I just want to add in terms of my feeling on on the the title chances. I tweeted about this, but I went and looked at the last kind of five seasons of data uh, or, or kind of the run-ins for City. And it was quite depressing, not in terms of their results, but just whenever they go to toe-to-toe with someone. Uh, I think there's this, I think JB tweeted, how did Liverpool fans cope with going up against City for so many years? They're a machine. And actually, Liverpool have only gone up against them, quote-unquote, twice. Um, that was in 21-22 and 18-19. Because in 2021, they came third. Uh, and in 29-20, the COVID season, Liverpool won the league like by by January or whatever. Um, so, so basically, if we rival City again next year in any sort of capacity, we'll, we'll have been in, in as much angst and emotional uh, hardship as Liverpool have ever been in the Premier League era, which is terrible. But also, the fact that no one's ever pipped City in a title race, they've always won it. So those two close calls, yes, they were close with Liverpool. And, and yes, they were really... Uh, mm. down to the wire but you know guess who came out on top um and, and that definitely made me a little depressed mm. yeah i mean i don't think i've or either of us probably ever on any podcast even when we've had the what maybe seven eight point lead i think at the, the best of time um have ever been really confident that we'd go all the way and win this if we needed if we were going to I think we know we all know we needed luck with some injuries. And I think if we could pick one player not to get injured, I think Saliba would be up there given the the drop off in his replacement. It's probably one of the biggest in the squad in terms of not just ability here, but the style completely changes everything. And we'll maybe get into that a bit more. But look, we're still one point. I've just done the BBC piece for this week and it's like somehow we need to realise that the position we're in now, we would have absolutely dreamed about. Like you, you wouldn't have even dreamed about it, that you'd be one point, you know, providing City win the game in hand, we're one point ahead still with seven games left. And we play City. We should view that game against City as an opportunity now. And I just hope that we can, we can sort of, change with that direction of needing to win or at least needing to draw that it can somehow become put the pressure on City a little bit maybe more so than you know City probably would have gone into that game if we had a big lead completely fearless we would have been sort of slightly sitting back probably inviting the pressure and just lost it whereas now I think it can be a really interesting game if we can get Saliba and Zinchenko back that would be Brilliant for that game. I mean, looks like Zinchenko will. Salib is going to be a bit touch and go given he's not in training yet. And, you know, you mentioned that it's a bad injury, Pat. He has been out since mm. before the international break. Um, so that's what a good month now he's he's not been doing anything. So whether he can come straight back in to a Man City game um, is another question. But at this stage, you potentially take that gamble. But needs must, eh? Yeah. Let's um, let's let's have a look at those two 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 draws. Then, obviously, I think you know since we lost the city, we've won seven games and then drawn two away games. One of which is probably the toughest away game in the league. Um, and such is City's form that that is now viewed as a bit of a disaster because City have been perfect, bar the Forest draw for a run of what eleven games or something in the league now. So, um. Yeah, it feels like a disaster. But when you step back, we we didn't lose either game. Um, and when I actually look at the league table now, Pat, I was going to talk about a plan B in the West Ham game because I think it was very much viewed we absolutely needed to win. And I do, I do sort of agree with that, obviously. But looking at it, if we lost that game against West Ham, that 
makes a big difference to that City game, doesn't it? Because it's a hmm. a draw then puts City ahead on on goal difference. Um, so now, now as it sits, providing we win all our other games, which I don't think will happen for either team, but just for the sake of it, if we match City's results and draw with them, we win the league. If we'd surrendered all three points, I mean, it would have been a catastrophic blow mentally, uh, as well as what it would have done to that that situation. So I can kind of see now why there's a lot of calls. I think Ivan tweeted it. How come Smith Rowe's not coming on for Xhaka or Vieira for Xhaka? And we just like trying to take a bit more of an attacking gamble. But do you think that was playing on Artes' mind that actually we can't afford to lose this game a little bit? Because he didn't go gung-ho with the subs. It was more like for like, right? It was, it was Trossard for Jesus. And there's a lot of people saying, why are we not putting those players on together when we need a goal? Jorginho for Partey. Um, and there was a little bit of a more attacking sub when Tierney came off, but Xhaka sort of went back into his left-back position. So it wasn't a... What we all want, eh? That's what <laughs> yeah. we've all been calling for. It wasn't a change of shape, was it? It was a, it was a bit of a like-for-like set of substitutions. Do you think it was playing on his mind that we couldn't lose the game? I think it's been playing on his mind all season, actually. Last season, if you remember, Ollie, there were a lot of games where we should have settled for a point. I think if you remember, was it United away? We scored the equaliser for 2-2. We're gung-ho. They stretch us. Odegaard gives away the penalty, is it, for, for Ronaldo to score the 3-2 winner? I think I'm remembering that game correctly, aren't I? Um, Everton away. You get 1-1 back. Eddie misses a sitter. Everyone's depressed. But you don't lose that game. Right. Um, again, Spurs away, perfect example. We didn't need to win that game. We went gung ho the first twenty, and then just d- didn't keep our heads for the rest of the game. And I do think we've seen. I, I know there's been a lot of criticism about Arteta about subs, which I'll, I'll definitely get into because I think there's two sides to that story. But I do think one thing that I've liked is his evolution as a manager to kind of take take out the the heat of the moment and look at this in a more pragmatic way. And some of the draws we've had this season, home and away from home, um, I've not been happy with, but I do think it's good 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 coaching. I actually wish even Everton away this season we were able to just like hang on to a nil-nil and get out of there because it was it was a, a horrible game and a horrible atmosphere to be in. That's the only one where I think I can kind of pin some blame on him. I think he brings on Jorginho in the 60th minute. Um, the, the the set piece defending was terrible. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the substitutions, I actually think Arteta's been pretty good with the subs this season. I mean, if we think about Bournemouth at home, Brentford at home, United at home, even you know Leicester away, I think we've made some pretty smart substitutions which, which saw the game out and, and kind of stopped that becoming for a, a contest. So I think... This season, he's actually made some fairly good substitutions. Um, am I right in thinking as, as well, like the Lisbon at home leg? Does Trossard come on and hit the post, or like you know, another day that's a goal in extra time and we win that game? Hmm. And um, and and again, that's due to personnel, right? Like last season, he couldn't bring on a, a, a Trossard, but last season, as you mentioned, he brought on Smith Rowe a lot, scored a lot. But for, for me. I think it is exactly what you said. It's that more pragmatic approach, that less in the heat moment that all the fans feel, but Arteta has started to not feel. And um, I think when you can't win every game, you do have to sometimes settle for the, the second best result, which is a draw. And it is annoying, but as you said, seven wins and two draws is a, is a ridiculous haul, right, in the last nine games. That is a, an absurd... Yeah, we all would have taken it. I think we all would have hoped City would have had one at least draw in, in their run. I know they've not had, you know, every game they've gone into on the face of it, they've been favourites to win. But you could probably say that about maybe 37 of the 38 games they play. So that they've dropped points against Brentford and Everton at home. So you do need them to step up unexpectedly at some stage. Um Unless we're going to be perfect and go and beat them, of course we don't. But I think we all, in that run, you know, when they came to the Emirates, they weren't playing great. And I think when we go to the Etihad, we now 
will be saying they are playing great. You know, it, they do look like they've probably found their groove. They're playing in that three, two, four, one sort of shape, aren't they? And um, they've got that sort of nailed down. You know what their team's going to look like. When you go back a couple of months, he was picking players all over the place. You know, Cancelo was sent away. We had Rico Lewis coming in. We had Bernardo Silva at left back. You had De Bruyne dropped for a couple of games. I don't think he started against uh, Spurs away when they lost. So it looked like they just hadn't really figured out how to play with Haaland. Now it looks like they know exactly what they're going to do. And until that's um, until that's figured out by everyone else, then you kind of just fear they're going to be perfect. But hmm. it's not going to happen, right? It's like, unlikely. If, I mean, if they do, then they're they worthy win it. Premier League winners and they're worthy treble winners, right? That's mm-hmm. the other thing, right? We are the us and Madrid are basically the only thing in the way of this team that apparently isn't the best City team ever winning the treble. Mm. And winning three Premier League tri- trophies in a row, like it's absurd to me that um, anyone comes up with this narrative. But just just on that, I think it's a blessing and a curse for City, right? You find your like Pep now knows his first team, right? It's those four centre backs at the back, and then it's Gundo, KDB, and Rodri, and then it's the front three. Um, and whether or not Foden comes in back on the right, who knows? But it's it's that 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 front two of Grealish and and Haaland plus one, right? Now. Blessing the curse in the way that if they get one injury that disrupts them, maybe maybe that will happen. Um, you know, all it takes is a tweak from any player now to be out for the season, isn't it? So, I mean, obviously that can happen to us as well, but mm. um, it, it does mean rather than Pep having this kind of cobbled together eleven that he he continues pushing out there. If he loses like an Ake tomorrow, that's a that's a big issue for City. Uh, Ake, Ake turns crossed, to right? Ake turns to Laporte. We have Saliba turn to Holden. It's it's oh absolutely. And absolutely. and the thing is, we're you know we needed and we will continue to need some luck in this if we or to go and win the title because you know we were doing podcasts even December when we were five points clear saying of course we're not going to actually win it. We're just you know doing really well at this moment. We'll return to maybe second or third, and it'll be a really good season if we can comfortably get Champions League. I think I said in December on here, if we never have to worry about fourth place, you know, if we don't even feel like we're in that fight at any point, then I think we've done well. Uh, and that was when we were top of the league. And that's the case, right? Yeah, and that was that would be the case no matter what happens. Um, you know, even if we lost every game now, it would it definitely would be viewed as... There'd need to be a post-mortem on what's happened there, but it would still be a case that we, I'm pretty sure, would get comfortably into the top four. Um, So it's been a great season. But as soon as this squad is stretched, you see that this rebuild is is not complete um, because, you know, we might never have the squad City have got because we're not going to have quite that level of investment. But I'm sure Arteta, as much as he likes Rob Holding, and it's not just Rob Holding, you know, Tierney comes into this, good player, but clearly he would want... It's not like when Tierney comes in, he adjusts the system. He He's asking Tierney to play exactly how he asks Sinchenko to play, which I tend to recognise. Just on that note, I, I think that's okay, because if you... And, and this is maybe feeds into the kind of um, change in the way, play, way, way we play with Holding, but I do think if you train this system in day in, day out, and that left back is asked to invert, especially when we don't have another right back, so we can't switch it. We can't let Tierney become one of those back three players and the right back invert, because we don't have that analogue to Zinchenko on the right side. Um, you, you do have to train the same way. I, I don't think we can suddenly have like a one-game Zinchenko injury and just say, well, we're completely changing everything we do. I agree. Um, I think so. I, 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 anyone who's like, well, we should have played Trossard inside to let, you know, Tierney go. Like this, Kieran Tierney, right? This isn't Kevin De Bruyne. We're not going to change our entire system for Kieran Tierney, with all due respect to him. And I understand that there are tweaks, and there are like Shaka played deeper. Um, we almost played more of a four, four, two-ish with Odegaard closer to Jesus. Um. But it wasn't the reason we we lost, right? It was the 
the whole spacing and everything was wrong. But again, I don't think we should be changing our system that's been so successful. And again, seven wins, two draws, uh, four of those being without Saliba. And we didn't mm. have to change our system to any, you know, big, big, in any big way. Yeah. And, you know, it's clear that I think for next season squad, when we're in the Champions League, because let's remember, we looked pretty awful in the Europa League as soon as we made, you know, sometimes only four changes. You know, the likes of Saka and stuff were playing even in the group stage. Um, but we were changing, you know, Tierney Holding played a lot there um, and a couple of other players. You know, we, we were playing Lukonga in the group stage. As soon as we made those four or five changes, we looked nothing like the team that, you know, I remember watching Fulham away a few weeks ago and we were unbelievable. It was just like, you know, and even the first 20 minutes against Anf- Anfield and against West Ham, you know, this team when it's flowing is brilliant, but it's clear that the squad still needs work and, you know, for us to perform in multiple competitions next year in the Champions League, we're going to need to do more, but I agree you don't change it, um, change the style we play. I think the issue you have, Pat, is more that the other team has does tactics too. And, mm. you know, even before this game, I think I don't want to make, I don't want to talk too much on holding because anyone who follows me knows I'm not his biggest fan, but I was worried about him um, well before the West Ham game. Others sort of thought he had done pretty well. Um, but if you look closely, the other teams, specifically at Anfield, where people seem to think he did all right, even though he gave away a penalty, and set up a few really good chances for Liverpool. Apparently not, though, according to some <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Conversations I've had on Twitter. Someone responded to a thread I wrote with, he's not the one giving away penalties, mate. And I said, <laughs> what? Yeah. But, um, yeah, the other team does tactics too. And if you look, I'm pretty sure Holding was up there with our highest passes in both the last two games. And there's no way... Nice touches against West Ham. Yeah. There's no way Arteta would want that. Not a chance. Because... You know, Zinchenko's often the highest in games, even playing from left back in that inverted role. Um, if Saliba's not there, Gabriel is a much better player on the ball um, than Holding is. So teams are marking all the players apart from Holding, making sure he has the ball. And the same yeah. same will be the case with Tierney a bit when they would have seen that change because they know he, they're not going to damage There's some clothes on, Corrupt. <laughs> they're not going to damage... <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was mute. mute. <laughs> what is going on in your head? My, my brother was like, I'm putting the heating on and he was in just shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, talking of funneling, funneling the ball to um, holding a tierney. And it's just so frustrating, these little moments that maybe... And I've got to phrase this in the right way because I don't want it to sound like I'm seeing things other people don't see because... A lot of people are seeing it and it's not me trying to claim intelligence or of any kind, but just booting the ball out under no pressure has a severe impact on the flow of a game. Um, and there was plenty of times that both Tierney and Holding did this where it really didn't need to happen. And it, even if not booting it out, just pass selection. And I think you've, you've analysed sort of our conceding of that first goal, Pat, where Tierney has... I think Arteta's even pointing to Martinelli down the line. Yeah. And there's, you know, he will safely receive that ball. And I think Jack is just inside him. It would be there for a quick pass inside. You can see what Arteta wants. He appears to be pointing to Martinelli. Tierney passes to Partey, who doesn't cover himself in glory at all. But no, you can see that he was going to be under a decent amount of pressure because I think there was a couple of West Ham players that we're going to close him down quickly. There's obviously not a lot behind him if he loses the ball there. So pass selection 
um, of both of those players isn't their strong point. Um, I think Tierney, when we were doing really well for that first 20 minutes, was doing fine. Um, but it's in these moments, you know, most games are decided by one or two goals and, you know, moments like that um, really impacted the flow of the game. And I think giving the team and the crowd confidence when you just give away possession cheaply, which I think they both do. I mean, what I will say is Tierney made a, a huge challenge, I think, at 2-2 to potentially stop us from conceding the third and losing the game, which who knows, that could be the point that's saved. But yeah. it's more I mean, about... I don't think he covers himself in, in glory with either goal, though, does he? No. I mean, I mean no. he's closer, isn't he, to um, Bowen steps out. And I know that that one's a bit unfortunate because it's literally like a hoof back and it falls. I was just sure that was right going to be offside. Him. I was like yeah, not same, getting upset. And then I think Carragher on Sky Sports, before we saw the replay, said, Arsenal are hoping it's offside. There's not a chance it is. I was like, oh God, what's oh, happened? God, yeah. Someone's um, playing them on. What a crazy moment, by the way, to miss the penalty. Um, and then and see a minute later, it was nuts. And I was uh someone was like to me, Oh, it's a terrible penny by by Saka. He's bottled it, you know, pressure getting to him. It's like, this is the the easiest penalty he's had all season. Mm. Actually, since he started taking penalties, this is the, the easiest penalty Saka's had. Yeah. Chelsea away to make it four two in the top four running. Was his first penalty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, or his second, maybe. United at home to make it 2-0 in the top four run in last season. City at home to to level it in the title race. And Liverpool at home to win it, to beat Liverpool for the first time in like four years. Yeah. This was his easiest like pressure penalty by by quite a distance. And he it's the execution is just awful. Um but yeah. just just going back to Tierney quickly, like I think we're actually quite lucky, Ollie, in the sense that we have a striker that if you do boot the ball up to them, <laughs> sometimes he makes something out of nothing happen. Yeah. Uh, and I was quite gutted for Jesus because I thought he was quite good, but um, wasn't getting a lot of fouls. There was one where Kufal rakes down his Achilles, doesn't it? Which doesn't even get a foul for. Uh, could have been a yellow card easily. Um, I think one of the issues that we discussed was how deep some of our build-up was. Like... If you think about that uh, that goal we concede, the first one, there's just so much dumbness in it that it is it is frustrating. Like holding Ambles out, he takes about eight touches of the ball, tries to bring it forward. But like if you're going to bring it forward, there's no point going wide because then you have no angle to pass it back to you. So if you're going to give it to Tierney, just give it to him first time. And then he has the angle to go back to you or to Ramsdale, right? Holding goes towards their goal, gets closed down by Antonio, pass it out to Tierney, and then Tierney has two options rather than three. And, you know, the, the whole um, positional football thing is is all about always having, you know, three options on the ball, right? Back, sidewards, forward. And Tierney had two options, maybe picks the inferior one. But to be honest with you, I didn't hate the pass. I thought it was a decent pass and... You know, if Party turns first time or he just lays it back to Martinelli, who he could have done like around the corner. Um, we've seen that move a lot um, or, or back towards our goal. It, it would have been fine. He does something stupid. Um, it's just complete brain fart moment and, and fair place to rise. Fair play to rise who closed them down. And then the other thing, which I don't think everyone's talked about and we've, we've talked about whether this is or isn't a penalty. For me, it 100% is. But the worst bit about it is Paqueta's going on his right foot and Gabriel knows him from the national team. Mm. Probably knows him from the youth teams because they're quite they're a similar age, right? 24, 25. And he's going on his right foot and it's just like, let him take the shot. If he scores from there, chips Ramsdale or puts it bottom bins, they're like, fair enough. But like, let him take the shot with his right foot and mm. um, gives them a penalty, which is dumb. So just a, a bunch of dumb moments. I, I do think that he should go down the line. I don't think Party should do what he does. I don't think Gabriel should, you know, slide in at all. It's, as soon as all, Gabriel hits crazy, the floor, you oh, say he goes on his right, but Paqueta has no intention of shooting. He, he, no. And I'm not saying it's not a penalty, but you see he kicks it quite far away from him. I mean, Tierney's just going to clear the ball. I don't think he even gets a shot away because he... He sees Gabriel in the corner of his eye. He he initiates that contact into him. Um, his arms are up in the air before the contact even started. So he has no intention to try and shoot, which I found, you know, 
can't blame him. I mean, they got the penalty, scored from it, but he had I a mean, good. Imagine, he would have had a good. Imagine if we if we didn't get that penalty on the other end. Yeah, yeah. Like we'd be absolutely, we'd be screaming. So yeah, I think I I do think if the ref doesn't give it in real time, I think I don't think VAR overturn it because he's clearly. I think he's clearly pulled out and you can see if you watch it back in slow-mo that the guy's looking for it. So I, I don't think with the new direction of VAR trying not to get involved, you know, they really didn't look too much at the build-up for that penalty, for example. Um, I don't think they overturn it, but I don't think we can feel bad about it at all. I don't think it's one of those that we can put in our reel of things that have gone against us this, this season. They're, there quite often has been a big error when we've dropped points, but I think that's not what we should be looking at in this game. I mean, at 2-0, you even let your mind wander to racking up some goal difference because West Ham looked yeah. like they didn't really I literally care. said that. I literally, I was in the airport and I turned to my girlfriend and I said, we need to score five or six here because City have been banging them in. Mm. And um, as we board the plane, 2-2. Two, two. So, uh... yeah. And I think, you know, this goes to maybe the whole whole team's arrogance of the situation. But I also think the players we've already talked about impact it. We were playing around with the ball far too deep. Oh, yeah. I, I think I, I might have tweeted that even at 2-0. We were, we were just, we were on the edge of our box sort of keeping the ball fair enough. But why are we doing it here? We There was nothing stopping us doing that higher up the pitch. You know, we've got to kill these these games, we had the opportunity to do it even to Liverpool at Anfield. Um, you know, they looked like they didn't particularly want to be there at that point. And we've sort of just waited around until something goes for them. They're always going to have a half a moment. I mean, Antonio running against Holding scared the life out of me, nearly gave away a penalty, just hacked away at him. I mean, if we go into the City game with him against Haaland, we already saw he had to be subbed at half time because he was just wrestling him. That would really scare me. I mean, I was thinking... I think you should prepare yourself for that because <laughs> I, I, no. it's going to happen, right? I, 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 I do... I do... <laughs> I don't really see how Saliba's just going to be wheeled out for that. And again, I hope I'm wrong. The worrying thing for me is I thought before this game, we haven't missed a penalty for ages. Sakharad <laughs> scored five in a row and I think Jesus and Erdegaard have both scored. Well, Jesus in the, uh, the Odegaard in the um, shootout, right? Yeah, but I think he's got. I feel like he's Odegaard's got... never taken a penalty for us, has he? In a game, I feel like there's been another penalty where Saka's not been on the pitch, and I think it was Odegaard who took it. No, but anyway, no. at, at least six in a row. Worst case, and I know the odds for, of missing a penalty are like one in four, I think. Mm-hmm. So, who would you want? It's going to happen. Um, and as you say, I don't get the the Saka stuff. Obviously, people immediately think of the Euro thing. But as you say, it's his lowest pressure penalty. And he scored five in a row. So he's still got a good success rate. And maybe some... that's why he misses, right? Like, as you, you, we've been just discussing, there's complacency in our game at 2-0 and even at 2-1, right? Um, if it is 2-2 for the winner, maybe, maybe we do... He does score it, right? Mm. Maybe he thrives under the pressure. Like United one one scores the goal that gets us ahead in this game. How many clutch moments has he, he had? Maybe he's a player that needs that pressure. Um, mm. And I think that's why Arteta in the in the pre game presser they're asking, oh, you know, Martinelli Saka, is it like, you know, can you name a better wing duo in the in in the world? You know, is it like Salah and Mane? He's like, no way. Like they haven't won anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's obviously trying to crank that pressure, make them into uh, that that world class standard that he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and these are probably the moments that he'll point to where he says, "Well, you were two 0 up and you missed a penalty." And I think there's a moment where I knew we were getting too big for our boots, where the ball comes across and Martinelli does a step over and it goes to, to Tierney. He steps mm-hmm. over the ball. I don't know. And I was just thinking, wow, this is amazing. We are playing the best football ever. And at the same time, I was like, I've never seen Martinelli run over the ball in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't <laughs> he, like that. He's acting, he, like, yeah, he's acting like it was training. He does do... He do, it, That does sometimes happen when we're comfortable in games. Not necessarily stepping over the ball, but, you know, a few arrogant sort of 
moves, traditional Brazilian sort of um, showboating, I guess, which we've seen from other Brazilians in the Premier League at times, um, which, you know, the Richarlison thing against Forest earlier this season, yeah. we've seen Anthony doing some bits. So it it is sort of in that Brazilian culture to almost taunt the opposition a bit, but what we were 20 minutes into the game at that stage. Yeah. We need if to... it was 20 minutes left, we're 3-0 up. Fair enough, mate. Do whatever you want. Like we went 2-0 yeah. up at the lane with, with 30 minutes to go and Xhaka bounce it on his back. Or was it Martinelli who does it? Martinelli. Mm. Um, and Jesus was coming. You know, I think Jesus is probably our best player on the day. That's another thing we've not talked about, how he's come back and scored, what, four goals in three games. Huge for us. It's going to be going to be massive because he does go through dry spells, still plays very well, but when he's scoring, he does tend to go on a, a bit of a scoring run and he's very much in one. So that's going to be really handy for us. Um, but I cannot believe we didn't have him for five months and are still top of the league. Yeah. It's actually insane to me because he is our best player by quite a distance. Well, not quite a distance, but he's and, our and best And people player, keep pointing to the... Um, Arsenal made like the least changes from the starting exercise, but it's like, yeah, but Jesus was out for five months, so there's not a change we're going to make frequently. It's just that he's out. Um, so I think if you look at days lost to injuries from first-team players, we're kind of mid-table. It's not that we've... There's, cert, there's a certain one, as I say, I think it's changes to the 11 where we're, we're the fewest or one of the fewest, but we've had some key injuries. We haven't got the squad to cope. Necessarily, I want to touch quickly, Pat, before we finish on both Vieira and Smith Rowe. Hmm. Because I think it's fair to say that both Xhaka and Erdgaard, in both of these two two draws, haven't covered themselves in glory. I think Erdgaard had a really good first half an hour, obviously, scored that goal, um, was doing really well in those opening exchanges, didn't do so much in the second half, was eventually subbed. Um, Xhaka I think stayed on for both of the games but we we need number 8 options off the bench I mean we let Laconga go on loan who obviously we didn't trust as a 6 but perhaps could have done something for us as an 8 um, I think the view when we let him go without sort of replacing him obviously we brought Jorginho in very much a 6 would be that we got Smith Rowe coming back we got Vieira there um, I think I remember saying before they're both quite attacking options but even in this game when we need a goal we've not seen either of them um, really get much of an opportunity and, and you know Vieira's got some opportunities and hasn't looked great Smith Rose not even warmed up in this game do you think there's been something behind the scenes here because Smith Rowe was our top open play goal scorer last season a lot of those goals came off the bench, which is exactly what we're looking for. It feels like he's going to have a moment, you know, like like some people have had their moments. This felt like it could be the game for him. And then the TV camera sort of just showed him sat there on the bench. And, you know, I was, I was, I've always said to you on here, I, I'm not getting excited until I see him back on the pitch. And we're barely seeing him on the pitch in April now. And this was back in December we had that discussion. He had a bit of a setback, I know, but he's been fit for a while. He's barely playing. I mean, that Bournemouth game, he did come on early, but then was subbed back off. We won the game after he was off. Do you think there's, as much as fitness concerns, we kind of can't keep saying that because Arteta's now said, I think, yeah, he's fine um, on that perspective. Do you think there's behavioural stuff um, potentially going on? Or do you think well, it's the case? There's been rumours, hasn't there? Um, that he likes a bit of a party and stuff like that. Um, I don't really read too much into that because I know footballers aren't saints. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I mean, I was looking at the past maps again. Arsenal are really good when party and Odegaard link a lot and when we're vertical in that, in that aspect. And actually a pass we see a lot is... Saliba to Odegaard when Odegaard drops deep. Just don't see that kind of thing anymore. And, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot, but if you look at the defensive line heights, if you look at the passing networks, it's clear that the kind of personnel issue is meant. Um, 
It's, it's bigger spaces in midfield. It's, yeah, it's just so much harder if you're a midfielder, especially because we don't have a Declan Rice, right? None of Party Jacker and Odegaard are going to pick up the ball and, and drive 40 yards, and none of them are going to go press the ball 15 yards and nick it from a player. Mm. Um, I, I do think that spacing, we just need to be way more compact. And it, and it means offensively we're worse, but defensively as well, we're, we're easier to transition against. If you look at our like Fulham passing networks compared to West Ham, it looks like it looks like a totally different team. It looks like Arsenal of last season with Lacazette, um, mm. which is a big issue. I think for me, that is the primary reason it's difficult to expect anything from like Vieira and Smith Rowe to come on. Like they might nick you a lucky goal, but in terms of actually coming on and like changing and impacting something massively it's difficult i think for smith row obviously like things haven't panned out as most of us have hoped i personally am still in the hopeful category where i think you know overall he'll be fine but i'd be lying if i said i wasn't slightly concerned and if i think about what i've said about like tommy assi where i do think arteta will be ruthless in the summer and Tierney let him down two seasons in a row with injury. What did he do? He buys Zinchenko. Tommy Asu's let us down two seasons in a row. And again, it's not his fault, right? He gets injured. Anyone can get injured. But in terms of his body letting him down, I think Arteta will just say, look, we have to think of this player as a bonus. That's how he's treated Tierney this season. That's how he's treated Smith Rowe this season. Um, and unless you are a game changer to the level that Zinchenko or Jesus are, I think Arteta is very ruthless when it comes to availability. And that's mm. why when you look at our links this season, Declan Rice, can you find anyone that's played more minutes than him at his age? No, you mm. can't. Uh, Saicedo runs yeah. forever. Lavia, young, just starting his career. I know he's had some injury issues, which me, makes me think we're not probably going to go for him. But that kind of profile of player, like young, athletic, can play every minute of every game. I do I do think Arteta really values that availability and wants to reward it. And that's why Xhaka plays every single minute. Um I, I do think we, we talked offline a little bit, didn't we, Ollie? Like, why hasn't he gone more to this three five two um that he did at Fulham at home? He did it a lot in preseason where Jesus and Ketia looked really good up front together. And now actually we have more personnel to do that. You know, mm. Trossard's played wing back a lot. Saka's played a lot of wing back now. Uh, Martinelli, we've seen him fill in there. We've got Tierney, etc. We've got even Nelson, who's played wing back. So there is personnel there. I think one of the issues we've had is we've never had two fit strikers this season for like you know eighty five percent of the season, which is a bit of an issue. Um, mm. Yeah, it's you could have gone. It? There's so much there. You could have gone Martinelli and Jesus together at the weekend for a bit, or Trossard and Jesus. But yeah, I, I think. You know, we said earlier, perhaps he was a bit worried about losing losing all three, or losing the point that we had at that stage. He he definitely wanted to win, but didn't want to completely shake it up. But I would like to see that 3-5-2 when we need it. I suppose, you know, I said we've barely seen it. That's probably because we've very rarely been behind in games and needed a goal. So maybe if we find ourselves there. That's something we will see. I would say on the Smith Roviera, I can't see both of them in this squad next year. Whether that's one of them on loan, one of them sold, I don't see how we can have them with the current level of of trust. You know, it's, there's not going to be games for them in the Europa League. It's Champions League or Premier League, and you can see why Arsenal want what it looks like is two expensive central midfielders. You know, I think Rice and Caicedo is apparently of interest, one of them to probably play 6-1-8. Um, we haven't got much on the bench. You know, we've got Jorginho who can do a bit of a job, but he's not a long-term solution for, for any role. And then what have we got for the eights? I mean, Vieira and Smith-Rowe not trusted or not performing at all. You know, we can't go into next season needing to put every minute into party Xhaka and Erdegaard. We need desperately some top quality options there because it feels like Arteta doesn't want to change the three he's got on the pitch, particularly when we need a goal. For good reason, right? Whenever those three play, they're usually pretty good. 
Yeah, um, but the, the other issue I have is like this kind of idea of having a, a midfield where it's just one midfielder basically and two kind of attacking ones. How often have we seen that deployed? And is it more of a football manager FIFA thing than a reality? Well, it's a thing? city thing, right? Isn't it? They 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 do it. I mean, and they do what we do, and they invert fullbacks into the middle so that there is that support for the sole like, midfielder. You know, Stones like, has been playing next to Rodri. We have Zinchenko next to Partey most of the time in the build-up. Yeah, they, they have Gundogan and we have Xhaka. The, the analogue to that is like a... And I think our interest in Rice and Caicedo shows yeah, that... absolutely. You know, one of them is going to play as the left eight, which is always going to be slightly more reserved than the right eight. But yeah, we, as good as they've been, you know... They were all playing at Anfield and we clearly needed something in the middle, fresh off the bench to try and turn that tide a bit. And we didn't have anything, you know, Arteta clearly didn't want to put Jorginho on because the physicality in that game clearly scared him. I think in transition, it did scare me. I think maybe we should have brought him on, but I could see the hesitation for that. And we can't be expecting to win a title with, like seeing issues and having nothing to address it. And we've not got any injuries in that area of the pitch. So it's not like we've got the excuse that we do in other areas. So, you know, that's for the summer. We can't address that now, but I think it's clear there's still work to do in the squad, but we're still top of the league by, well, by four points with the game. City got a game in hand. We go to, well, we host Southampton on Friday. It all gets a bit weird now, Pat, because City go to Bayern tomorrow, obviously with a, a healthy three-goal lead. They then uh, play Sheffield United in the semi-final on Saturday. So expect them to pretty much fully rotate there and still comfortably win the game. We are quite fortunate probably that it was moved, I think, from Saturday. Could have gone to Sunday, but it's a Friday game, which gives us five days before the City away game on Wednesday night. And uh, we'll know an awful lot more about our title chances after that game. But we'll we'll make sure we talk after Southampton, which is hopefully a get-back-on-track game. would be nice to have a bit of a convincing win. I mean, they're going to be fighting for their lives, but I think even that their players are probably starting to resign themselves to the fact that it's likely they'll go down. I mean, they're, they are only four points off Everton. So one result can change that. Hopefully it doesn't come against us. But they do look pretty poor from what I've seen. They, and we're back they in the Emirates. look like they've given up. If we, I mean, if we don't win there, then, you know, it's we don't serve anything. I want us to come fifth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to Champions League. Any, any sort of bad result or moment, I'm just like, we're going to be back in Champions League next year. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, let's hope there's lots of injuries in City's next two games, though. Yes, would be nice. Would be nice in the worst area, maybe keeper. Although you've got a decent backup keeper as well. But... Really? I'd say Harlan or KDB for sure. But I still think they just look great without Harlan. What was the game? It was the Liverpool game when they, they didn't have Harlan. So bad away. Honestly, like, I think in if the you cup, said to me though, they could lose one player this season, it'd be one of those two for sure. Yeah, maybe De Bruyne. I just think Haaland, obviously, he can go crazy, but if he's not there, you don't know exactly what they're going to do. It's harder to plan. Um, I think in both games, we've done all right with Haaland. Obviously, the second half in in the game at the Emirates wasn't ideal. But I don't... yourself, mate. You scared the shit out of me at home. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, every time the ball went, like... I know he scored, but I don't think scared. he was... Yeah, you know, it's not like he absolutely bullied us or dominated us in either game for me. I mean... No, but I think you can sense the fear when he plays. I think. Yeah. I wish I'd have been in that game um, because I remember Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast saying that you could sense the fear, like you could sense his aura and if we can feel it at the ground, then yeah, I'm sure you can teams. feel it as a player. Um, and, you know, Alvarez, good player, won the World Cup, etc. But... Um, I do think that uh, that man strikes fear into the opposition opposition mm. hearts. And yeah, for him or Katie, we got a knock or... Listen, I'll take anyone. Anyone that disrupts City between now and the end of the season, I'd love it. Um, yeah. I know they've got great backups, but... 
Diaz would be nice. I mean, as good as their backup centre backs are, Diaz was incredible. Annoyingly, um, he yeah. was great at the Emirates, and yeah. if they didn't have him, we would have won that game probably. Yeah. Right, we'll wrap it up there. Again, apologies for us um, missing a couple of podcasts over the last six weeks or so, but um, we'll try and talk. I don't know what your weekend's like, Pat. We'll chat offline, but obviously playing on Friday, hmm. um, we might be able to get it out a bit earlier than normal. Um, so hopefully Arsenal will be back to winning ways. Try not to be too down if you're feeling a bit miserable at the moment. We've still unbeaten in nine, seven of those wins, two away draws. This team have shown how good they are even in those draws. And it's about us trying to take those moments and make them last in longer parts of games and and make better decisions at key points. But we're still very much in this. We're top of the league, even if they win the game in hand. And we're going to the Etihad. And that's just going to be a huge game. Biggest Arsenal game in a long, long time. And we should mm. try and be excited about it because we never thought we'd have a game like this to look forward to. And I think if there's a, another thing that might play into our hands, it's that it feels like everyone now seems to think City will win that game and win the title. So yeah. that might actually help us a little bit rather than having all that expectation, which even sort of before that Liverpool game, there's a lot of people who said Arsenal can't not win it and things. So maybe that narrative change will help. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, when we lost at home, people thought the same. Yeah. When we, and then we won seven in a row. Yeah, and then we had those three mishaps last season. We went and won three or four in the row before before kind now of we just need to win out. seven in a row again. Exactly, exactly. And this season, I think we've not won games in bunches of two rather than three. So yeah, yeah, we go. seven games. I mean, it feels like yesterday we were talking on here and we we're saying we're not even halfway through the season. We can't yeah. say we're in a title race, and suddenly we're. We're only seven games away. And as hard as some of those games are, you know, City away being the main one, but then you're Newcastle away, Brighton at home. It's seven games, you know, seven games from a title when it's in your hands and you can afford to draw one of them. You know, six wins and one draw, no matter where they fall, wins you the league. Mm. So there's still a huge opportunity here. Let's hope we can take it. You've been listening to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already and we'll chat to you again very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.